Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Bird Steeler fans. What's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, senior editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com with you for another episode of Let's Ride Your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning podcast. It is Wednesday. Happy hump day, everyone. And we have a ton of stuff to talk about. We still are trying to wrap our minds around what we all saw last Saturday down in Jacksonville. A lot of news as the Steelers trim their roster from 85 players down to 80. We have injury updates. We have the mailbag in the second half. Our pets' heads are falling off. Hopefully you get that movie reference. But you know what? We're going to do it the way we always do. And I hope you're ready and buckle up because it's going to be a fun show uh, before we get started, just to remind everyone, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com should be your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers, as well as the network of podcasts. It's our morning shows, our noon lineup, and of course, our PM shows, which are also simulcast live on YouTube and on Facebook. So make sure you check us out in all of those venues. You won't be disappointed. I'll tell you that right now as the Steelers gear up for the Detroit Lions this Sunday. I always thought they had three Saturday games. Turns out they don't. The last one is Sunday at 4.30 p.m. Pittsburgh time. Set your reminders accordingly. This one's going to be on national TV. I believe it's on CBS. Jeff won't have to rely on stupid NFL Plus, which means that Jeff will be able to be live with the broadcast. I'm excited for that. All right. Before I have to try and do my best to talk Steeler fans off a ledge after an exhibition game, which I'm going to do, let's get to some news first. We have to start with the roster cuts. As I mentioned already, the Steelers trimmed their roster from 85 players to 80. And Dave Schofield and I, we did our predictions again. And I, we only got one of them right. Um, and that was Nick, I don't know if it's Skiba or I don't know how you say his name. The backup kicker, whatever his name is, he was released. That was the only one that we both got right. Other than that, there were actually some surprises. Let's talk about those last. So Skiba, wide receiver Christian Blake, running back Mateo Durant, uh, they were released in that second round of cuts. Those were not the surprises. Some people might have been surprised by Mateo Duran. He was a very highly touted uh, running back, undrafted rookie free agent, I believe, out of Duke, maybe. I'm not so sure. Anyways, he was not. I think a lot of people thought he would at least make it to that last round of cuts. Nonetheless, he's gone. Christian Blake was just recently acquired, so he's gone. Uh, but then came the ones that everyone seemed to have an issue with. The first name that everyone was kind of stunned uh, was Jannard Avery. 
Gennard Avery was a linebacker, both of the Cleveland Browns, and then he was traded to the Philadelphia Eagles, played with the Eagles, was a free agent addition to the Steelers this offseason, and a lot of people loved his versatility. Could play, They said he could play inside, he could play outside, he has experience doing both. The one big cut on Avery had been that he just couldn't stay healthy. Uh, he had missed... Uh, rookie, I'm sorry, he missed many camps, practices, OTA practices. He was banged up in training camp as well. But, you know, the one thing I kept on thinking about is when you have a player who, in the National Football League, we're talking about the highest, the elite of the elite, and they say they can play all these positions, it kind of reminds me of myself. No, I'm not an elite athlete. No, I'm not a professional football player. But I've always said that I'm kind of like the jack of all trades and master of none. That kind of sums it up. Uh, I'm really good at a lot of things, but I'm great at none. So for me, I look at Avery, maybe that's what it was. Maybe that's what it was, is that he wasn't really good enough to be considered inside linebacker depth, nor was he really good enough to be outside linebacker depth. And so he kind of went into this gray matter. You throw in the fact that he was never really available, and that leads to his release. It is what it is. But for some reason, that was kind of like the first initial wave of shock after the Steelers announced their roster updates. And then came this secondary wave. And it was when Chris Oladokun, the second seventh-round pick of the Steelers in this past 2022 NFL draft, he got released. And this is a guy that didn't get any team reps at camp, very few if any. He didn't play in the preseason at all. And they let him go. And you have fans out there. Oh, what a wasted pick. Not just fans, though. Not just fans. The media, the the, the people that are inside. And I love how the what Yen's talking about guys always talk about the Steelers insiders. They're not really insiders. They say they are, but they're not. And they say, what a wasted pick. How many seventh-round picks actually pan out? And I'm not saying that they don't exist. Kelvin Beecham, Brett Kiesel, even look at... Trey Norwood and Presley Harvin, I get it. There are some, but there's way more that don't than those that do. And so my my thought on the Oladokun thing is he was drafted as an insurance policy. He was drafted in case someone got hurt in camp or in the preseason. So let's say it was Mason Rudolph. Let's say Mason Rudolph gets hit, hurts his shoulder, and now all of a sudden he's going to be on the shelf for two to three weeks. Now you have a third quarterback. He was the fourth, now obviously the third, that can come in. He can help with some of those repetitions, can fill some of that time in preseason games. No one got hurt, so they didn't need the policy anymore. Why keep it around if you don't need it? They're going to carry probably those three quarterbacks into the regular season, and that's how it goes. I also want to add one more thing to this before I move on to the next topic because I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. I honestly do believe that the Pittsburgh Steelers, and especially Mike Tomlin, are very big in what I would like to call professional courtesy. And what I mean by professional courtesy is someone like Jannard Avery. The Steelers see, hey, it's not going to work with us. Instead of keeping him around for another week, they let him go now. And the reason being is that professional courtesy is that maybe you can catch on somewhere else. Maybe there's a team that's looking for a linebacker and you fit those needs and you can find a job now. I get it. I think that does happen, and I I wouldn't be shocked if Chris Oladokun went into the Steelers' office and said, what am I doing here? Well, why did you all draft me here if I'm never even going to play? 
Give me, cut me. Give me a chance to play somewhere else. But what are we doing? Why are you all doing this? I wouldn't be shocked, and I wouldn't blame him a second if he did it. I'd be upset. You get drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't care if it's in the seventh round. That's exciting. You're thinking, wow, this is such a great organization. I'm going to get to come in here with Kenny Pickett and maybe be his backup for whoever knows how long. I just I just want to stick around. You don't even play. Not in practice, not in games. You don't do anything other than basically do the individual drills. So I wouldn't be shocked if, if either Chris Oladokun or his agent said, look, if you're not going to use my guy, get rid of him. Cut him. Let him try to find a find a place somewhere else. So professional courtesy, wouldn't be shocked if that had something to do with it as well. We'll talk about some other news. Uh, injury update. Uh, Monday was the last time the Steelers practiced, and Devin Bush did not practice with an ankle injury. And Joe Haig is now on the NFL's official concussion protocol. So we don't know the severity of these injuries. Obviously, Haig is going to have to progress through the protocol. He's going to have to do everything that is being asked of him, and and that doesn't start until the concussion-like symptoms subside. I'm not getting into the protocol that's just that's it's what it is. Uh, but Devin Bush, we'll see if he that maybe hinders him from playing this Sunday or not. I don't know. Good news is though, Cam Hayward returned to practice, so the ankle injury that he suffered before the Jacksonville game doesn't look like it's serious. And Calvin Austin the third, we've all been wanting to see Calvin Austin the third, the wide receiver drafted out of Memphis in the fourth round. He might be on the mend and being on the way back. He said his foot feels great. He's waiting for uh, Mike Tomlin to give him the green light. Maybe he plays this Sunday. We shall see. Other news? Well, behind the steel curtain has applied for credentials again, and the Pittsburgh Steelers have denied those credentials once again. And so this is when I tell the Steelers that they suck, and the organization is turning away good content and good coverage. So you know what? Screw you. That's my news update for the Pittsburgh Steelers, as they don't even allow us to get credentialed for a flipping preseason game that means nothing when it comes to who is there and who isn't. So I digress. Let's get to the crux of today's podcast. In the first half, I want to talk about the Steelers fans that are seemingly ready to jump, to make the lead, to jump off the ledge, to jump off the bridge. They're ready to say, I'm done. I'm not going to. The Steelers stink. It went from cloud nine in week one to the depths of the lowest of the low. We'll put it that way in week two after the Jacksonville game. So before, I I talked about this on Monday. If you missed my Monday podcast, I went over the winners and losers, but I also talked about DEFCON. DEFCON level one, which is the highest level of alertness, and DEFCON five, which is kind of like, okay, just go about your business, and where I find concern within the Steelers roster. So go back and check that out in case you missed it. But the one thing you have to understand, a lot of fans are concerned, and rightfully so. I get it. I honestly do get it. But before we go any further... Before we talk about positions, you have to ask yourself a couple questions. How do you handle the preseason? And when I say you, the fan, it's how do you approach the preseason? Do you approach it as nothing more than a tune-up? Do you approach it as practice? Do you keep an open mind to the point that the team might be giving a player or players a shot to improve or more of a chance to show what they can do. Let me give you an example in case you're thinking Jeff's off his rocker on this Wednesday morning. Look at Kendrick Green. Kendrick Green has not put out the best tape. (laughs) Everyone with two eyes and social media knows that. 
But Kendrick Green has been given more than enough opportunity to prove himself. So what better way to do that than in a practice game? That's the preseason, right? We all say these things like preseason doesn't matter. We all say that it's a meaningless game. We know there's meaning attached to these games. But in terms of these overall significance, coaches have to evaluate their roster. And when they have to evaluate their roster, they have to evaluate it from top to bottom. And sometimes that means you have to give a player a, a, an extended look, even if it means to jeopardize what could be viewed as the overall product. So I always reference back to when I coached. And there were times in our preseason where we would have scrimmages, we'd have play days where we would play five games in a day. They would be shortened games, but you would just get a ton of experience. A lot of your younger guys coming up into the high school varsity program were just they're getting their they're getting their feet wet with what it's like to play at that level. And so the one thing that I would often do is there's a player that's struggling, I kept them in the game. And sometimes they would say, Coach, I don't have it today. You gotta take me out. No, you gotta work through this. This is the time to work through this. When it's these games don't count. And if we give up a couple goals because you did this, that's okay. These don't count. So while they do matter, this overall, how you view the preseason does matter. How the Steelers handle the preseason does matter. So let's keep that in the back of our mind as we go through these positions that I think we all would agree are highlighted. We'll put it that way. So let's start at the offensive line. Let's start at the offensive line. When it comes to the offensive line, ask yourself, is improvement possible? And I'm going to say it again. Is improvement possible? And we've seen this from all potential players along the front, whether it's Dan Moore, Kendrick Green, Kevin Dotson, Mason Cole, James Daniels, and Chuk Sikorafor. We have seen the potential there. Now, if you listen to my podcast, you know I hate that word. I hate that word potential. That P word is dangerous because it, it you have to live up to that potential. But is improvement possible amongst these individuals? There are a lot of you out there listening right now that would say no. And the first player you're going to name is Kendrick Green because he is just he's one of the whipping boys of the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2022 and 2021. They're going to say no. This guy can't improve. We've seen all we can. Okay. I think that players can improve. Okay, I, I honestly do. To suggest that a player can't improve is that's damning across the board. You're saying that the player themselves cannot improve on their skill set. You're saying that the organization and the coaching staff cannot improve their skill set. And you're saying that the scouting department and the organization that brought them in, whether it's through the draft or free agency, they don't know what they're doing either. That's what you're saying if you're going to say that none of these players can improve, that the the players they're putting out there, the five starting offensive linemen, whoever that may be when week one rolls around, if they are as good as they could ever be right now, then think about what you're saying. Now, how are things that they do well? Let's think about this. I think that's what the Steelers need to figure out. I, I said this on Monday. I'll say it again. They need to find their five and then stick with it. I hope it's Kevin Dotson. I think he provides more than Kendrick Green at left guard. But I hope they find their five and they say, these are the guys we're going into week one with and we need to get them acclimated and gelling together. And then once you do that, you have to figure out what do they do well? Zone blocking, inside zone, outside zone. What are the concepts they really thrive with? 
Maybe it's run blocking. We saw that in week one against Seattle. And if it is, that's okay. A good run blocking scheme can help eventually help the pass protection. And how you're thinking, Jeff, that's a completely opposite blocking scheme. They're moving backwards instead of forwards, et cetera, et cetera. Think about it. If you can run the ball well on first down and you gain four yards, now you're at second and six, you don't need to have an eight-step drop or this deep play-action pass to trying to drive the ball down the field. It opens up the offense to the point where it's going to help your offensive line with pass protection. Getting yourself out of third and long is the best way to improve pass protection. So think about it from that perspective. Now, on the offensive line, just keep in mind, folks, that first question that I asked, and you may say that Dan Moore Jr. is never going to get any better. This is the pinnacle, the paramount of his career. I'm going to disagree with you, but is improvement possible? We'll come back to that. Let's go to the rush defense. That's, I think, another big concern with the Steelers. What options exist? Let's talk about that. Everyone wants to complain. I've always said, don't come to me with a complaint if you're not going to also provide a solution. Any moron can just complain. It takes an actual intelligent human being to come with a complaint and a solution to the problem that you may be having. So everyone says the rush defense is is not up to snuff. It is subpar. All right, that's fair enough. What are the options? Well, inside linebacker. We know Devin Bush and Miles Jack are most likely, if both healthy, going to be the starting uh, inside linebacker duo in week one in Cincinnati. But are there other options? Well, we know Robert Spillane. He's limited from a lot of, especially coverage. Uh, everyone is on the Mark Robinson bandwagon right now. He has limitations as well. Um, or what about safety? You know, what about a safety help? I mean, Terrell Edmonds playing in the box, using three safeties, using like a big dime type style defense. What if that works? They do have options that can help the rush defense. And there is the possibility that they have not just disclosed or have not evaluated all those options closely yet. Also, what if they get, get everyone back and you might be sitting there thinking, well, Jeff, what are they missing? They could be missing, in my opinion, the most viable player on the defense. And it's not TJ Watt. It's Cam Hayward. TJ Watt's fantastic. TJ Watt would be number two on my list, but number one is Cam Hayward. Getting Cam Hayward back It's more than just him doing his job on the right side of the defensive front. It's him absolutely being the leader of the defense and getting everyone motivated and in the right spots. So the rush defense, yes, options do exist for them. They just have to to deploy them. And that might not happen until week one. We have to keep that in the back of our minds too, and they got to get everyone back, and hopefully that happens sooner than later. Let's go to one more, the secondary. You know what? The pass rush covers covers up a lot of inadequacies. The Steelers have had subpar secondaries in the past, which you haven't really noticed based on the fact that their pass rush is the one that dictates how long quarterbacks can hold onto the ball. If the Steelers can get the pass rush, and I'm not just talking about from the outside linebackers, but also from the interior, whether that's Chris Wormley, who had a career year last year in tackles for loss, quarterback hits, and sacks, whether it's Larry Ogunjobi, whether it's Tyson Alawalu, Cameron Hayward, does not matter who it is, get pressure on the quarterback. That's what the Steelers need to do to help out that secondary. And then also, can we also just wait to see how these things play out? Uh, Why does everything need to be set in stone right now? After week two of the preseason, why does it need to be set in stone right now? Whether it's Akella Witherspoon, Levi Wallace, Cam Sutton, uh, James Pierre even. Why does any of it need to be set in stone? 
let's see how this thing plays out. That is okay. Whether you're, you know, the offensive line is the ultimate concern. I get that. But when you talk about the rush defense in the secondary, let's see how it works itself out. Let's wrap this up this way. Week one, regular season, September 11th, whatever they're calling that stadium in Cincinnati, that dump of a town, when they go to play the Bengals. Are you expecting perfection from the Steelers? I mean, think about what I just said. Are you expecting perfection? No mistakes. Nothing goes wrong. Every single play executed to a T. Well, if you are, I've got to tell you, that's unreasonable. That's unreasonable at any sport at any level. I would say it's unreasonable to think that's going to ever happen at all, let alone in week one when the season begins. It's, it's just not reasonable. So we need to set our expectations accordingly. I've said this before coming into this preseason. I'll say it again. This Pittsburgh Steelers team, 2022, there's so many question marks. If you have these super high expectations after one preseason game in week one against Seattle, I said, I said it myself, they're going to ratchet it up. I, that's okay. But you also have to understand that there's a lot that can still go wrong. So keep that in the back of your mind. Set your expectations accordingly and understand, calm down a little bit. The the whole thing of talking you off the ledge, if you're someone that's ready to jump, it is the preseason. It was one game. They still found a way to win. There were a lot of good things to take away from it. Let's see how it plays out. That's all I'm going to say. I know a lot of people have a lot of questions about this. I'm going to answer them all in the mailbag segment. We'll be right back after this break. Welcome back to the second half. It is Wednesday. Happy hump day. We're halfway there, folks, and it's mailbag time. For those that know, mailbag is simple. You want to contribute a question, all you have to do is follow me on Twitter at J, the letter J, Hartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. Every Tuesday, I'll put out the tweet, and I had a lot of people, I think one of the questions in the mailbag today is about the timing of things. I'm back at work. I get summers off as a teacher, so uh, I'm back at work. So that means that I typically have to put out the tweet a little bit earlier than the noontime release. I will retweet it, though, again in the afternoon so that anyone missed that early tweet can still get their questions submitted. I'm doing the best that I can. We had 30 questions today. We're going to get to them all. Here we go. Let's get this started with Cody. My boy Cody, he said, should the Steelers just start Mitch because the O-line is suspect and we don't want Kenny killed? There is a sentiment that a lot of people think that, not that they'll get Kenny Pickett killed, but that could a bad offensive line, especially one that has a quarterback running for his life, could that be a detriment to his overall development? And I guess I see that. And if that's the case, then I would be okay. I'm okay with him sitting anyways. I know that they're saying it's an open competition. I'm really pumped up about that. But ultimately... If they decide to go with Mitch Trubisky in week one, which I still think they will, I'm okay with that. I still think he's going to play this season. I just am okay with him not playing in week one. 
All right, Heath Davis asks, is everyone hitting the panic button too soon on the O-line? Could maybe be seeing Tomlin in Canada putting the O-line in poor situations and playing to their weaknesses to see who faces adversity better. I don't think, Heath, well, if you listen to the first half, you would say that I agree that, yes, people are hitting the panic button too soon. To say that they're almost putting them in poor situations intentionally, I don't agree with that, though. So I, I see your point, but I don't agree with that 100%. Zach Bauer says, with the release of Chris Oladokun, do you think this means the Steelers will re-sign Mason again after the season is over? I can't see them drafting another quarterback next year. Hashtag Ryder Die Crew. Thank you, Zach. I don't think that Mason Rudolph is going to be back. Mitch Trubisky's under contract for next year. Kenny Pickett's obviously going to be there for hopefully a very long time. Mason Rudolph does not going to want. He's not going to want to be a part of that. He wants to be a part of a place where he can start. Maybe someplace like Seattle. So he's he's probably gone. He's going to enter free agency. The Steelers might not draft a quarterback. They might pick up a veteran. Maybe it's a. a a Joshua Dobbs coming back or a Jacoby Brissett or any other quarterback that might be floating around that has kind of traveled around. They'll find someone to fill it in. I don't necessarily think they have to draft someone, but good question. Brian Haynes asked several questions. He said, what former Steeler would you like to come back in a coaching role? The funny thing is, is the guy that I'm thinking of, I, I has coaching experience, and they, the Steelers never had an interest in bringing him back. It was actually Rod Woodson. You know, Rod Woodson's now going to be a head coach in the XFL. I thought he'd be great to come back, at least to be an assistant to help the secondary, but that's just me. I thought Heinz Ward was great too. Brian also asked, would you rather give up teaching for a year or give up Steelers football for a year? <laughs> Are you serious? I mean, am I still getting paid? I mean, if, if this is like a you still get paid and you don't have to teach, but I can watch Steelers football, that's a no-brainer, Brian. Come on, man. Love Steelers football. Brian says the last one, is there a single player who can be placed or can be replaced or come in and be put in a single spot that makes the Steelers markedly better? I am so weary of these thoughts and people feeling that, oh, we'll just get this guy or that guy and he'll come in and just start right away. I said it on Monday. I'll say it again. What you get in that situation is you get Trey Turner. That's what you get when you just get some guy off the street and thrust them into the starting lineup. That's not the best situation. You don't want that. If you want someone that's going to come in and be a legitimate player early, you're going to have to trade. They're not going to cut those players. Keep that in mind. I'm sorry, Brian asked one more. Final one, what 2022 rookie will have the largest impact? I want to say Kenny Pickett. I just don't know when Kenny Pickett's going to get the opportunity. So with that being said, I'm going to go with George Pickens is where I'm going to go. All right, Heath Davis asked the second one. Word on the street is Jordan Berry's trying out the Steelers for left guard position thoughts. Don't you bring up Weasel Boy's name on my podcast again, Heath, all right? That's a, that's final. I'm just joking. He said, and finally, score of the Steelers-Bengals first matchup and why? Okay, so week one, final score. I, I want to look at the injury report. I want to see the trend. I want to see the odds. I will say Steelers, hmm. I'm going to think it was a weird score for some reason. I'll go with Steelers 27 and Bengals 24. There you go. Doc M, Southside Doc, says, with regards to the offensive line play, describe the interplay between technique, talent, and consistency. For the Canada offense, should more players be better at the run game, passing game, or balance? So the interplay between technique, talent, and consistency. So this is something that on our Slack channel – 
Um, Jeffrey Benedict's talked about it before on his cutting room podcast, as well as in articles. And it's about Pat Meyer and our coach, our local coach, KT Smith. He even said as well, Pat Meyer brings a new philosophy and technique to the position. Everyone saw Kendrick Green getting a, having a real simple swim move, make him look real silly in Jacksonville and got Kenny Pickett hit. What it is is that in pass blocking, Pat Meyer teaches to attack first. You basically want to get your hands on the pass rusher and then retreat with him after you've kind of stunned him. That takes time, and you can see James Daniels whiffed. Kendrick Green is whiffed. That makes me wonder, okay, are they going to abandon that philosophy? We'll see. But in regards to Canada's offense, you have to be balanced. He wants to run the ball. You have to be able to run the ball. And then you still have to be able to protect the quarterback. Very, very important. Cheeseball 10. If the offensive line, worst case, doesn't end up working this year, what pieces does the team hold on to rolling into the 2023 season? So far, who are you most concerned about in this unit? If it doesn't end up working this year, I think that left guard is going to be a position they're going to have to address. But I guess it depends on how it doesn't work this year. Like Dan Moore Jr., I, I think he has a lot of potential. Chooks a core four. I still like him. He's a good pass pass protector. He might not be the most aggressive in the run game. I think Mason Cole has been shockingly a, a, a good surprise for me in the preseason. It's the guards. It's the guard play that's been bad. So that's where I'm most concerned as well. Aiden Blaine. Hey, Jeff. I don't know about you, but it was refreshing to see Chase Claypool finally win a contested catch last game. Do you think he gets over or under 1,000 yards a season? I thought Chase Claypool did a good job in the limited, and I say limited for the fact that the quarterbacks just didn't get him the ball a lot, the limited opportunities he had. I'm going to say under 1,000 yards. If things work out the way that I would want them to with the Steelers' offense this year, meaning... Chase Claypool gets his, Deontay Johnson gets his, um, Pat Fryermuth, George Pickens. If they all have theirs, that no one's going to go over 1,000, and they'll be fine. Maybe Deontay Johnson, but still, I don't think he goes over 1,000, but he could still have a really good year. Eric Miller, hey, Jeff, after watching the second preseason game, how many 2023 draft picks are we using to fix the O-line? I'll set the over-under at 2.5. And, and as a follow-up question, what rounds do you think they'll be in? To fix the line, I'm going to say the under. I'm going to take the under. I'm going to take two. And the positions I would say would be a tackle and a guard. Just my thoughts. Tank, he asked a couple questions. He said, with the roster right around the corner, would you rather have a Bobby Boucher jersey or Shane Falco jersey? (laughs) I'm not a big fan of either of these movies. Bobby Boucher from Waterboy and Shane Falco from The Replacements. I'll go with Bobby Boucher though because I really don't like The Replacements. I I understand that Brian Davis is a huge fan. I'm not. Next one from Tank. Man, these keep getting earlier and earlier and harder to ask you questions not knowing when the cutoff is. The cutoff is going to be about the same time, but it's just the question's going to be asked earlier. So if you just check my Twitter feed, you'll find it. All right, Corey Eckenroth asked, Jannard Avery was let go. He was expected to compete for backup reps and had position versatility. Outside linebacker was a thin position to begin with, so what do you think the plan is? I wish I knew the plan. You know what I mean? I mean, uh, I could give you a guess. Uh, I think that they're going to be that they, they like some of the people that they they brought in. Um, I, I wish I knew the guy's name. It's some really Dave knows it because he said it before. 
Oh, crud. It's like Harshed or something like that. He's he's a guy they like. They like, and they also like Delonte Scott. So I think the plan is they think that those guys can provide the depth that Jannard Avery would. So they let him go. That's just the way it is. Eric Askew asks, what's more annoying, the constant QB battle talk, fans jumping off the ledge in the preseason, or armchair coaches and GMs? Along the same lines, why do people blame Tomlin if one player has a bad game? All right, so what's more annoying? The QB battle talk, I'm okay. I'm here for that. I'm here for the quarterback talk. You know that. Fans jumping off the ledge in the preseason or armchair coaches and GMs, well, that's tough. Because people that are you know, saying, you know, pulling their chicken little and the sky is falling right now, I think that's annoying. But nothing is more annoying than the people that say, oh, I had a this great on this person and they should have drafted this guy and that guy. The latter is the most annoying. I'm sorry. I'll take the passionate fan that thinks the sky's falling over the people that think they can always do better. Um, and why do people blame Tomlin if one player has a bad, bad game? Shoot. He, that that list is lengthy, and I'm not about to get into all of that. Nathan Van Slyke, no relation to my favorite player, baseball player growing up in Andy. He said, hey, Jeff, I'm sure it's been brought up already, but I heard that Mark Robinson got some first-team reps. Do you think... Do you think he's been playing in the two? How do you think he's been playing in the two preseason games? And has it helped him secure a spot on the 53 man roster? I think he has played well enough to make the 53 man roster. Him getting reps with the first team, I don't think should be as significant. Uh, to be honest with you, maybe he would play. You don't want him to play. I thought Jeffrey Benedict on his Cutting Room Floor podcast gave the perfect example with Mark Robinson when he talked about in 2013 some six-round pick from Florida State, a thumper. He was thrust into the lineup when Larry Foote blew out his biceps tendon. You know who that was? That was Vince Williams. It didn't play. It didn't pan out well. You don't want Mark Robinson to have to play unless it's in like specific, specific sub-packages that they're putting him in there where he's doing what he has to do. You don't want him to be your every-down linebacker. Trust me. Tank asked another one. If given the front office job for the Steelers, would you shop Mason for a fourth or Mitch for a second and a fourth? But here's the thing. Mason is not going to give you a fourth. No one's giving up a fourth for, for Mason Rudolph. That's He's not a, like a known commodity. So I don't think you're getting that deal. And I don't even think you would get a second and a fourth for Mitch Trubisky, if I'm being realistic. And how many quarterback teams? I mean, yeah, you talk about Seattle. They need a quarterback. How many other teams are in de- dire straits for a quarterback? I mean, you could say the Jets, but Zach Wilson's supposed to be back. He's not hurt for the rest of the year. So I don't think either one of those deals are being made, just if I'm being completely honest. Eric asks, I still feel like the cornerback room is one injury by Akello or Levi Wallace away from looking really thin. But more importantly, are you more worried about the offensive line or the defensive line rush defense? I was at the Jacksonville game, and man, felt like last year all over again. Very concerning. Okay, um, which am I more concerned with? Uh, the offensive line? Offensive line. I think the defensive line, I talked about the rush defense in the first half. I think they're going to be okay, but the offensive line is concerning. It is concerning. I don't think the sky's falling, but it is concerning. Two Bar Gone says, Hey, Jeff, could you see Mark Robinson take over for Bush at some point this season? Robinson seems like he may not know what's developing before him, but attacks while Bush knows what's happening, but is scared to do something about it. Peace and love, ride or die crew. Thank you for the question. I, I just said this. I'll say it again. I don't think that you want Mark Robinson to play a ton. Uh, if he comes in maybe goal line situation or short yardage, like that's one thing. 
but you don't want a seventh round guy that's only played linebacker for a couple years to be at your every down inside linebacker. Just not the best play. Will Caldwell. He asked through two preseason games, what is the position group you are still excited to see? I'm excited to see the quarterbacks. I honestly am also the running backs that aren't named Benny Snell Jr. I'm excited to see them as well. Excited to see the wide receivers. I'm excited to see the cornerbacks. I I like Akella Witherspoon. I like Levi Wallace and Cam Sutton. I think that's a good group. The safeties, I still, there is still so much to like about this team. People just want to dwell on the negative. Amanda Almonds is how short of a leash should Devin Bush be on? Can any backup on the roster really be any worse? I think he's going to have a pretty short leash this year, but the problem is, is that there are no backups that have the coverage abilities of Devin Bush. And so that's going to play a big role here. Keep that in mind. Uh, Alexander Dines says how to fix the offensive line. Is that a leader? To, is there a leader to trust or be capable to conduce this change? So you hope that is, as a group, they improve. And that's how it has to work. That's what I said on Monday. I'm going to say it again. They have to pick their five and roll with it. It doesn't. It's not just going to be one guy, although I think James Daniels could be that guy. It doesn't have to be just one guy. It's them getting it together. Together. Get it together together. There you go. Nick Clark asks, assuming they keep six, who do you think will be the sixth wide receiver to make the team? Sims, Boykin, or Vaughn, or someone else. All three have flashed so far. Would love to see them get some more time against the twos or ones in the last preseason game. If I'm betting, man, I'm betting on Miles Boykin. Why? Special teams play. Steven Sims is a good story. Steven Sims does have return capabilities, but if you have Calvin Austin and Gunnar Olszewski, you don't need that return guy. So I'm going to go with Boykin because of special teams. Britsburg Owen, do you agree with Dayon Kovacevic, who said the Steelers need to bring a real leader on the O-line? Kudos to Mike Tomlin for ripping them. He's talking about Mike Tomlin had a players-only meeting the other day, and I guess he really lit into the offensive line, kind of showed him a lot of tapes, said, look, this is what's out there on you guys. It's up to you to fix it. I don't, I don't buy anyone coming into the locker room and being this transcendent, uh, transcendent person that's going to come in and be the ultimate leader and change the culture. That doesn't happen two weeks before the regular season starts. What fantasy world are people living in? I, I just don't know. I really don't know. All right, Daily Joint Company says, Jeff, what do you think are some realistic expectations for the run game this season? Based off what we've seen in preseason so far, I'm fearful it's going to be a lot like last season, maybe worse, with Najee running into a bunch of defenders behind the line of scrimmage. Would also be totally cool if I never saw a snap from Kendrick Green again. Hate to hate on the guy, but like Tomlin says, your time is up when we all know it. Not disagreeing with the Kendrick Green stuff. I'm honestly not disagreeing at all. My expectations is that I think they're going to be a little bit better in the run game. And we saw it in Seattle. And let's also give kudos to Jacksonville. They do have a good defense. They played them for a whole half. The Steelers are still figuring things out. They didn't have their best running back. I think the run game is going to be better. Get me to about 16th in the NFL, and I'll be happy as a pig in mud. All right, B. Selfridge. Do you think the Steelers have thought about giving a call to Eric Fisher? Uh, no, I, I don't, not yet. I don't think unless an injury happens, they're going to do that. Next question, if the quarterback race between Mitch and Kenny is close, we go with Kenny. I, I hesitate only if you feel like Kenny, although he could physically do it, is not – you don't want him to go through a full season, maybe with the bumps and bruises, not physically, but also the emotional toll that comes with that. So I think they're going to go with Mitch, in, even though I'd be really pumped to see Kenny win it. Would you rather play on your dream golf course with your favorite pro 
or Steelers win two more Super Bowls in your lifetime? Uh, um, I, I like to golf anywhere. <laughs> that for me, golf is golf. Um, I give me a golf course. that's like a cow pasture and pins and I'll still go play and have a good time. I'll take the Super Bowl wins. Good question. Uh, Doug Peterson says, which offensive line player would you trade for? It has to be a realistic type of trade that you can see being done before week one. Well, Doug, I hate to tell you this. I just don't see it happening. I I really don't. I don't see the Steelers being willing to part with someone that they would be able to get something back that would be one of those type of players. It's like everyone wants to shop Chase Claypool. You shop Chase Claypool until all of a sudden someone gets hurt, and now you wish you had another receiver. The Steelers have the guys they like. They have those free agents, those new faces in new places. I know you all want me to say they need to trade this guy for this guy. I just can't do it. I just cannot wrap my head around that. I can't think that way. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right, Ride or Die crew, I really appreciate everyone for being a part of that segment. We went a little bit long today. I hope you don't mind. I hope that you listen to this podcast and you leave with a little bit of saying, saying to yourself, maybe it's not so bad. Maybe things aren't so bad. Maybe we should just wait. If you did that, then I did my job. So, all right, folks, I'm going to be back on Friday to get you all jacked up and geared up for that preseason finale. In the meantime, you know how we finish it out here. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great day. We'll see you Friday. Go Steelers.